0: Scripture reading this morning is John chapter 20, taken from John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. Of course, this context is the context of Resurrection Day, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We meet on the first day of the week because of the resurrection of Christ. Because on that day, our Savior was raised. On that day, our Savior triumphed over sin and death. And so every Lord's Day, when we meet together, we seek our Savior, we seek our great God, we worship Him. We are reminded of that great victory, the victory of His living, His, his dying on our behalf, but His resurrection, exalted to the right hand of God, and our Savior reigns. The risen, exalted Christ is with His people to the end of the world, and we rejoice in that today. So John chapter 20 Beginning at verse 19, this is the word of the Lord. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. God's holy word, may he write it upon our hearts. Let's pray together. Our gracious Father, we ask you now to work in us by your Holy Spirit. Grant to us uh, to see our Savior, his glory, his victory, his triumph. And to know this day again, that as we gather together in his name, he is present with us by the power of the Spirit. So give us eyes to see and ears to hear. This is our great need. Eyes to see and ears to hear. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, uh, every believer should thrill at the inspired recounting of these events in the passage before us. We see here, yes, the reality of the resurrection our risen Savior, we say his triumph over death. And we do thrill at that, don't we? Our risen Lord Jesus Christ, described here, revealed to us here. But we should also be thrilled at what we see Jesus doing here on this first day of the week. How he showed himself, yes, and how he ministered to his own on this first day of the week, this first Lord's Day. And why should we be thrilled at it? Well, certainly for this reason, because the same way that he ministered to his own on this first Lord's Day is the way that he continues to minister to his church every Lord's Day to the end of the world. The same way he purposes to minister to his people, to us today and on every Lord's Day to the end of the world. So we give attention this this morning to our passage and we see how our Lord Jesus Christ ministers to his own on the first Lord's Day. What do we see him doing here? Two things, certainly. First of all, he ministers peace and assurance. He ministers peace and assurance. And secondly, he empowers them for their service to him. And only he can do these things. He ministers peace and assurance, and he empowers his people for their service to him. So, first, he ministers peace and assurance. And I think we see this, we can say we see this in three parts. What do we see? He comes to them. Jesus comes to them. He greets them then with words of peace. And then he addresses their fears and their misapprehensions. So first of all, he comes to them. Scripture says here, And the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Jesus comes to them. And yes, it is the first day of the week, a pattern we know for all time to the end of the age. Here, yes, is ushered in that change of the day of worship. Going forward to the end of the world, it is now the first day of the week. So Christ's own people have ever since gathered on this day for worship. Now, of course, some people can be confused about this. Here and there, they really don't get the resurrection if they think they should be worshiping on the seventh day. They just haven't really understood the beauty and power and significance of the resurrection of our Savior. Why the change of day? Now you know the answer to this already, but we rehearse it here. <laughs> Why the change of day? Well, because Jesus, our Savior, was raised on this day. And so, as uh, Pastor Dan said, yes, we remember that every Lord's day. Also, because our Savior appeared to his disciples on this day. And because our Lord Jesus ministered to his disciples. On this first day of the week. So we say we see a pattern here. This is one of the significances of this passage. We see a pattern that our Savior gives us of his working and his meeting his people to the end of the age. Now the disciples were meeting very privately for fear of the Jews, the doors were shut, the scripture says. We also know from Luke's gospel there was uh, still much uncertainty and confusion. The disciples had been discussing the appearances of the Lord. The Lord had appeared to Mary Magdalene. He had, we also know from the gospel of Luke, appeared to Simon Peter to this point. And he had appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He was made known to them in the breaking of the bread And he vanished from their sight. So the room is abuzz at this point. But there's still much uncertainty. And fear. And confusion. Think of what the Lord said to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. As he witnessed their confusion and their dismay. He said, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So the room's a buzz, but still much uncertainty, still much confusion. Well, what's their problem? What's their problem? We could say, well, What's their basic problem? Their basic problem, brothers and sisters, is the same as our basic problem. It's unbelief. Now, of course, when we say that, we don't mean that they weren't believers. You understand that. (laughs) But their basic problem is their faith needs to be increased. They're still wrestling with unbelief. They don't see things clearly. There's confusion. There's fear. There's uncertainty in their hearts. So their basic problem Same as ours. This is at the heart, really, of all of our problems as Christians. This is the heart of it. It's their unbelief. What do they need? What do they need? We have the answer here, don't we? They need Jesus to come to them. Only he can, only he can address this. Only he can resolve this problem. They need Jesus Christ to come to them. Same thing we need this morning (laughs) is for Jesus Christ to come to us and meet us, is it not? That's the cry of our hearts. Lord, Meet. we sang of it earlier, didn't we? Spirit of God descend upon my heart. Wean it from earth, through all its pulses move. Stoop to my weakness, mighty as thou art. And make me love thee as I ought to love. We could as well say, make me believe you just as I ought to believe. (laughs) Remove my dimness. Help me. So Jesus comes to them. Isn't this beautiful? This is what he does to the end of the age. Jesus comes to them. He stands in their midst. Now notice the first thing that Jesus says. He greets them with words of peace. Jesus came, stood in their midst, and said to them, Peace be with you. Now, you can be sure that this salutation was conveyed with spiritual power when he said, peace be to you, it was ministered to their hearts. So he greets his own here, and no doubt, their hearts were strangely warmed. Thus he will begin to minister to his disciples. Now, why is this significant? Again, because we say we see here a pattern. A pattern of Jesus dealing with his church, with his people from this point forward to the end of the world. We had it this morning, didn't we? The apostolic greeting. Grace to you. And peace from God our Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you know this. That means something. And it means something because as the gifted one stands, the ordained one stands, and he brings that apostolic greeting, the spirit of Christ really does minister to his people, the living Christ. Thus, Jesus begins to minister to the hearts of his people here. And what does Jesus do next? Well, he addresses their fears and their misapprehension. He addresses, he continues to address, really, their unbelief. Scripture says when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So he addresses their fears and misapprehensions. How? How? He does it by the revelation of himself. He makes clear that it is indeed he. Comes to them in flesh and blood. But again, we note his appearance is different. In the uh, section previous to this, uh, Mary didn't recognize Jesus at first until he spoke her name. Uh, Again, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize it was Jesus until the breaking of the bread. So he's... He's revealing himself to his people here. The disciples do not know really. They don't they're confused. They don't know at first it's the Lord. How are they helped to know that it's him? How does he reveal himself to them? By the emblems of his suffering. He graciously gives assurances, yes, concerning the reality of his resurrection. He shows them the unmistakable marks on his body. We say the emblems of his suffering. The emblems of his victory over death. The proofs, these are the proofs of his great love. These are the proofs of the Father's love for them. Proofs of his atoning sacrifice. Here he is, the risen Christ, the one who suffered and has been raised. Yes, we say the proofs of the Father's love. So Jesus reveals himself to them. He makes it clear that it is indeed he, and they are glad. Don't you love the way that's described there? He showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad. When they saw the Lord. So yes, fears, misapprehension, turn to gladness. Brothers and sisters, this is the pattern of every Lord's day to the end of the world. This is what Jesus does. We gather in Jesus' name. Here we are this morning. In certain ways it looks very ordinary, doesn't it? And no doubt people around the community they wonder why you do this every Lord's Day. Why do you do? And you do it in the evening too? Wow. Why? <laughs> well, we know why. We know why. And we want to express it to people why we do. We gather in Jesus' name, and wherever the saints of God gather in Jesus' name. That is where the throne of God touches the earth. I like to say, this is the center of the universe, brothers and sisters. This is it. Because Jesus Christ is here this morning. And he's here to minister to our hearts, however we may feel. That's a good thing, isn't it? Whatever our dimness or dullness, that's a good thing. Because we have plenty of dimness and plenty of dullness. We gather in Jesus' name, and what does he do? He comes to us, especially on this day, uniquely on this day. And he shows himself to us. How? By the preaching of the word, and by the administration of the sacraments, we say by the means of grace, yes. Yes. He shows himself he shows us again he reminds us again of his great love for us he shows us again by word and sacrament the emblems of his suffering and death really the emblems of his victory the emblems of his triumph the emblems of his love for us Our Lord Jesus Christ ministers peace and assurance to his disciples. We very much need this, don't we? What does he do next? Now, he said in each case he does what only he can do. What does he do next? He empowers them for service. Anyone here stand in need of power for service this morning? (laughs) Whatever your service may be, all of us need this. And Jesus brings this to us every Lord's Day. You know this is true. Oftentimes we sense it, we feel it, we, we, we sense it in our heart and spirit. We go out and we know we're stronger than when we came in. But of course, the Lord works more deeply than our senses sense. Yes, he does. So here, he empowers them for service. But again, notice this verse. He again ministers peace to them. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He ministers peace again. Powerful ministration of peace. Double emphasis here. Why? Well, it speaks to our need. At least that, I think. It speaks to our need, doesn't it? The people of God very much need to be assured of peace with God every Lord's Day. We very much need to be assured that all is well. Between us and God. And so we have, of course, in our worship, of course, you have the, the gospel threaded all through the, the liturgy, don't you? That's the way it's supposed to be, yes. And peace ministered. We saw it in the confession of sin, assurance of pardon. So we think here particularly of a ministering of the gospel. Jesus has revealed himself to these disciples by the emblems of his suffering and his triumph. So what's communicated here? He died in their place. I need to hear this every Lord's Day. You need to hear it every Lord's Day. Now again, people could say, well, you go to to worship, you go to church, you go to worship every Lord's Day, and and the the, the guy stands up, and he says the same thing every Lord's Day, basically? Yes. (laughs) I mean, we preach the whole counsel of God, of course. But basically, the preacher's saying, we could say, the preacher's saying the same thing every Lord's Day. You hear it every Lord's Day, don't you? Jesus died in your place. He died in my stead. He suffered hell in my place. I need to hear this every Lord's day. He triumphed over sin. He brought me to God. All of God's favor rests upon me. All is well. I need to hear this every Lord's day. Peace be to you. That's what's at the heart of it, isn't it? All is well. Double emphasis. Why do we need this? Because we struggle with this. Why? Because we're sinners. And we can come in on any any given Lord say we can come in and we can still feel something of the weight of our sin. We believe in forgiveness? We come to God, we confess our sins to him. We should be doing that every day. I trust every one of us is doing that every day. But still it can be the case, isn't it? We come into worship and we can still feel a weight. Is everything really right between me and God? Jesus says, yes, all is well. You're mine, I'm yours. I've brought you into God's favor. That is an unchangeable, unshakable reality. All is well. Now really, if we really get that, brothers and sisters, we should like go. We should be dancing out of here, actually. I mean, I, go, I know, we're good Reformed folk, right? <laughs> we're very careful about these things. But if we really get it, all is well between me and God, all of my sin truly purged away, well, you say, well, this is basic Christian doctrine, isn't it? I mean, we all know this already, don't we? We've been trained in this in the catechism from our youth, right? But we still need Jesus to speak it to us every Lord's Day. And he does. He does. Because we need it. Peace be to you. All is well, brothers and sisters. You belong to Christ. All is well. All is really, really well. (laughs) All is wonderfully well. You you know, you you really need all kinds of adjectives to try to express it properly. Bend over, you know. But, you know, you can say the Spirit of God through his word bends over backwards to say this a thousand times. Because actually, truth be told, good reformed folk that we are, truth be told, we're still slow to believe it. Could it really be this good? (laughs) Is all my sin really purged away? All of it. I'm really clean before God. Totally. Is it really so? I know you know the answer to this. We all know the answer to it. But on the Lord's day, Jesus Christ ministers it to our hearts again. And we need it. And so we see it here. Now Jesus assures these apostles of the authority of their mission. He said to them, peace to you. The Father has sent me. I also send you. So as the Father empowered Jesus in all of his missions, so he will empower these disciples. He communicates his power to them. He assures them uh, that they have all of the authority of God behind them in their ministry. That's what is expressed, what will be expressed in the apostolic preaching of the cross. He assures them of that here. And he empowers them for their gospel service, verse 22. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he supplies the Spirit of God to them. We say here it's a special anointing to be sure. We know the Spirit is given in his fullness at Pentecost. But here we have a sort of pre-Pentecost anointing, ministration of the Spirit by the Son of God, by the Lord Jesus Christ, because they needed this. Now, every believer has the Spirit of Christ. We understand that. Every believer indwelt by the Spirit of God, we understand that. But when we gather on the Lord's day, Jesus Christ himself, by his Spirit, empowers us for our service. And we need it every Lord's day, and He supplies it every Lord's day. So here, special provision of the Spirit and power. This also always comes in connection with the declaration preaching of the gospel. Uh, I think there's a parallel to the gospel of Luke here, when he he opens their minds. The Scripture says there he opens their he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. So the Spirit of God, communicated power, the Spirit of God, enabling them to understand the truth. We say enabling them unto service, empowering them for service. As we said a few minutes ago, you know, we we, we often sense this in our own heart and mind, in our own spirit. God refreshes us when we worship. He really strengthens us when we worship. Finally, here, Jesus assures the disciples of his presence and authority in their gospel service. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, I don't want to take a long time with this, but just sort of summarize what what the intent, the meaning here is. We want to be clear on this, don't we? It's Jesus Christ alone who forgives sins. It's Jesus Christ alone who retains sins and pronounces judgment. So this is all about authority. In other words, the very authority of Jesus Christ manifested in the preaching of the gospel. When the gospel is preached, Jesus Christ speaks. He reveals himself. He grants forgiveness of sins. And so these apostles would declare in the preaching of the gospel, to that one who trusts in Christ alone, his sins are forgiven. To that one who rejects Jesus Christ, he remains in his sins. The wrath of God rests on him. Such a simple message. But every time it's preached, every time this simple message is preached, no one goes away unchanged. These disciples are to know they're not alone. They don't do this on their own. They don't preach on their own. And we are to know. Our service to Christ is not something we do on our own. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Jesus particularly empowers us for our service. Yes? Every Lord's Day, he particularly empowers us for service and reminds us of these wonderful truths that he is always with us to empower us. I'm reminded again this morning of a little quote from uh, Sinclair Ferguson, where he, one of his books, he talks about how when uh, he heard a sermon preached, and for the first time, the Lord really brought it home to his heart that Jesus Christ dwelt in him. He said he went outside after the church service, he looked both ways, he, he, he's, uh, he's uh, 15 years old, looks both ways, he said, I skipped all the way home. <laughs> When he first realized it, Jesus Christ dwells in him. Well, in a measure, that's something of what the Lord Jesus Christ does in us every Lord's Day. He reminds us again. We have all of his power. He empowers us again. So yes, these disciples are to know they're not alone. They don't do what they do on their own, and we are not alone, brothers and sisters. We do not do this We do not serve Christ on our own. That's a great thing. (laughs) He empowers us for our service. Well, our theme this morning is very simple, isn't it? I hope it's very clear. Yes, the way that our Lord Jesus Christ ministered to His own on this first Lord's Day is the way He ministers to us this morning. He comes, he speaks words of peace to our hearts, powerfully. And yes, he empowers us to serve him. Now what else can we draw from this? I realize I'm continuing to say things this morning that you already know. (laughs) But isn't that the way it always is? I need to hear again what I already know. I need for Jesus Christ to bring it to my heart again in its power. That's what I need. And so we see this lesson, surely. Worship. Corporate worship. Is more transformative than any other activity in which we will ever engage. Now, again, though the means appear ordinary and the surroundings are ordinary, we're all rather ordinary people, actually, it all appears so ordinary, but it's not ordinary at all. It's extraordinary, but only eyes of faith can see this. Let me just say, if there's someone here this morning and you're very bored by this, you still haven't gotten it. If it all looks, at the end of the day, (laughs) just ordinary, then you still need a work of Christ in your heart. Now, young person, it may be that way for you. The means appear ordinary. The messenger appears ordinary. (laughs) But by the power of the risen Christ, the risen exalted Christ, those means become extraordinary. And so we find encouragement in this today, don't we? Anybody out there today have any fears? Any uncertainty out there? I won't ask you to raise your hand in Reform Churches. So I realize you don't raise your hand, okay? Any uncertainty? Any doubts? Only Jesus Christ can address uncertainty, confusion and doubts. He's the only one in the world that can resolve it, and that's why we're here. Yes, that's why we're here. So again, you may, your neighbor may look on and say, well, why, why? You go to church every week. I mean, there's so many other things you could be doing. And you go, morning and evening? Is that like a, is that like a punishment? <laughs> I go to worship because the risen Christ is here in the power of the spirit. I go to worship truly because wherever Jesus people meet there they behold his mercy seat. I go to worship because that's where the the, the throne of God touches the earth. I want to hear Jesus Christ speak to me. And he does. Corporate worship is more transformative than any activity in which any of us will ever engage. And that's why it goes on beyond this life, right? I mean, we'll be fully transformed then. But it's a, worship is a permanent thing. We'll do it forever and ever. <laughs> but this side of glory more transformative than any than any other activity in which we may engage our sanctification is advanced more in worship corporate worship than in any other activity now i find that very encouraging <laughs> because yes every lord's day i feel my own dullness i feel something of my own great need And I'm very much encouraged, surely, at this truth, that when the word of God is preached, I'm changed. Now, there's that sense, of course, we mean, there's that sense in which when the word of God is preached, in terms of its activity in our soul, we're passive, We listen actively, to be sure, and we ought to listen actively. But there's that sense in which the Spirit of God does that in us, which only he can do. And we're passive in that, brothers and sisters. He changes us. So this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, you can know when you go out. Now, you already knew it, but I'm just reminding you of it, right? When you go out, You are different. You will be different than when you came in. That's gospel truth. So that should sort of mean, you know, when we're going out, the doors sort of burst open and we're all, wow! (laughs) You know what I mean. We're changed. Not a physical change, but a spiritual change. Incremental, to be sure. But certain, nonetheless. Here and there, people may say to us, you seem different. You seem, you know, particularly joyful. <laughs> you seem... Uh, It seems that your spirit is untrammeled upon. It seems like you're buoyant in a particular way. I mean, there's a lot to be depressed about in this world currently, is there not? There's a lot we could be depressed about. But when I know Christ working in me, certainly at the very least we can say, we have great peace. We have joy, in fact. Jesus meets us this morning. He ministers to us this morning. And yes, praise be to God, every one of us who knows Christ will go out different than we came in. Isn't that amazing? Every one of us, different than when we came in, changed, Praise God. Let's pray together. Father, we give you praise for our Savior and how we thank you for the means of grace. How we thank you for this wonderful truth that on every Lord's day, as we gather, we gather in your presence. As we draw near to you, you draw near to us. How we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you show yourself to us on this day. You remind us, you show us the proofs of your great love, of your atoning sacrifice, of the Father's great and perfect love for us. We rejoice in it today. So we pray, Father, the fragrance of this truth, these truths, might fill, might flood the whole day for us. How we need your work in our hearts. And we thank you that you bring to us, you do in us, what only you have ever been able to do. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, we'll close with a hymn, number 274, the Trinity hymnal there. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering son. 274, we stand, of course, as we sing.